Praise God. What, what, I mean, there's, there's so many things you can go through, so much celebrations, and seriously, we really can't do everything without you. Elam Church Hamilton, you are the church, not the building. It's you. It's you you're the one that makes this happen. And um, I was looking for a title for today's message, and today's message, it's, it's a short message. I'm saying that to give you hope. Um, <laughs> and also, I'm, I'm being obedient to my wife. And... Um, and so the title of this message is In the Waiting, In the Waiting, and, um, <laughs> In the Waiting. And the reason I call it In the Waiting is because um, this message really has been in the waiting for me. It's been the toughest week to come before this message, and I had all these ideas, and it just wasn't, wasn't happening. You know what it's like? You have these things, and God just speaks to you. And then um, last night, I think God got to work and uh, made me sweat, and that's all I've got to say about that. Uh, we have sold the building. We've sold the building. That's one thing for sure. And I'm definitely blessed. We're blessed by this amazing eldership team. Honestly, we're so blessed. Thank you so much to our team uh, for all that you do. And, um, but we really believe that God has called us, really called us to sell and to trust in him, to sell this building and to trust in him. It really is the moment of Israel in the desert, in the wandering, whenever the Shekinah glory would move, the cloud would move, then, uh, and Moses will keep watch. And you'll see move, and then you'll, and then they will move. And we really believe this is where God was leading us to move. But this this move is like no other that we've ever experienced before. Normally, when something like this, we, we would do something like, hey, let's do some miracle offerings. Let's sow into because we want to go into somewhere that's going to cost a bit more money where we're going. Because otherwise, why are we moving, right? And uh, but we said, God is saying, no, we're not going to ask money from anyone, right? And you're not even going to go talk to the bank to try to secure something so you can go into something. That is scary, very scary in trusting in God. And, and I thought, that sounds really great, but when you're the one that has to lead this through and people are looking to you, I really have to look to God because I've got no one else to look to, so I'll really look to God and I'll thank God for our team that just really lift these, uh, our arms up. We are, I'm just going to tell you this, so you can pray into this, so you can be part of this. We, we, ha- we, have, um, put an, we have put an offer in a building for the old Activate Church building. Okay. Here's the problem. The, the person who owns this building, not the church, it's another group, they want a lot more money than what we're putting in. But we're like, this is what God has called us to, we're putting this in, X amount, right? And so, but we're not holding it lightly. We're going to put it in. This is what you, you're asking for, <laughs> you're asking for X amount, but we're just going to give you this because this is all we got, right? This is all we got. And they're like, are you crazy? And I was going, I think I may be, but I just trust in God, right? I was talking to a lawyer. And I said to the lawyer, look, you do what you do, and I'll do what I'm doing. I'm going to pray. And he goes, thank you so much. You know, and and you know, so, uh, all I, he's talking about business stuff. I just talk to him about God. That's all I do. And because um, I'm not a business-minded man. I'm just a man that's so reliant on God right now. And so this is the, this is the process. Trust, and so we, this is, faith is trusting in the process. But here's the thing. This guy could say, nah, no way. I say, oh, good, we're moving on because this is not where God wants us to be. We're not holding it lightly. We're just trusting in God. We're trusting in the process. We're trusting in who he is. Uh, the door closes. Because, you know, here's the thing. God is our plan A. There is no plan B. There is no plan B. He is a plan A. But this is what we would love to do. We will have a plan B, C, D, E, F, G, just in case God doesn't come through in plan A. So that's okay, God, we're going to help you out. We're going to help you out. Because, you know, God, you don't really know how the system works. So we just thought we'd help you out a bit. But, but this is where a total move of faith. And um, last week, I had, if, if this is your first time to church, last week I had a full Afro 
And I've just lost it. Okay, maybe that. And I've just lost it all. Because this is our tension. Don't we have this tension? We wrestle with this. I need to know exactly what the next move is. Right? Because I need to have control. I need to have power. But faith does not operate like that. It's a pain because I get to preach about it and I talk about it. But then when you, God asks you to step out onto it, I was going, God, what do you have to... But I'm trusting because God's putting us through a test. But I know the character of the one who's putting us through a test. And he's for us. He's with us. He knows what's in us and, and what's ahead of us. God is our plan A. There is no plan B. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this. Faith, faith, I'm going to say that with a, properly, faith. People say, you always say faith. I was going, well, if you knew who taught me English, then you'll know why I say faith. But anyway, faith, <laughs> I love my mom, she's awesome. Uh, my mom's from the Cook Islands, English is her second language. So it's really good learning to speak English for someone whose English is second language. It's really interesting. But anyway, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. The evidence. Evidence. Evidence means there's proof. But we can't see it. Right? Because this is what we want. <laughs> we take a step. God says, take a step. Yes, we'll take a, take a step. Where's that step? Here it is. God says, take another step. And you're like, okay. Take another step. And you realize, wait a minute. But God, there's no step. Because I know, it's called a faith step. It's a step out, not knowing where you're going, but trusting that God is there. It's, uh, not on, not on what, what, what the world tells me, but the evidence of what I know in my own experience in life, on the evidence of what I read in Scripture, on the evidence of 2,000 years of, of people being reached through Jesus Christ. Because you know what the enemy of faith is? The enemy of faith is sight, is what I see right now. What I see right now is that, is that I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. Everyone has left me. That's what I see. I, what I see is my current situation. But faith is God is above my current situation. That I will trust in Him. I'm in a storm right now. There's no magic one moment. Like God's going to take you out of debt. No, God will walk with you. You follow, God, you follow Jesus through this storm and you walk through there and, you, and you, as you trust in God, you work your way out of debt. It's not some magic thing that puts you over there. It's trusting. And you know what? There's joy in the middle of turmoil. There's joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Regardless of what's happening around me, that, I, that, that Jesus is with me right now. That he is greater than my current circumstances. And Hebrew, Hebrews 11 verse 8 says this. And this, is, this has really been the verse that God has really tugged at my heart. And I've been scratching my head a lot. And this is, what, this is what it says. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. See, this is what we know about inheritance. I don't, inheritance is this. You don't, earn, you don't earn the inheritance. It's yours by birthright. So God is calling us to step into something that we are not earning. And that's a scary thing. And this is exactly what Abraham did. He went without knowing where he was going. Right? And this is what faith is. The enemy of faith is sight, what we see. But total trust? 
I have total trust in God, but I've got these other plans just in case. Oh my gosh, even me saying that, even me saying that, I was like, oh my gosh. And this, here's the thing, when you, when, when you step out on faith and when you begin to live the way of God, because quite often we are we all synchronized to society. Did you know that we are synchronized? We are synchronized as people, meaning that our society shapes the way we view things. We cannot help it. So even the way we, we live out the Bible is based upon the way society has synchronized us, right? Because we read the Bible, it, it is trust, step out on faith. Amen, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to have plan B, C, and D, and E, F. Yeah, right? And this is what we do because we, we're synchronized with society. We, do, we can't help and we bring, we bring the interpretation of society into how we read the Bible. And we don't trust God. We trust Him, but just in case, God. I know because I do that all the time. I know I do this all the time. And, and here's the thing. I would love for us to do that right now, but I'm just trusting in God. Because people say, when we, when we begin to step out in faith like this, people say, oh, that's just... That's just nuts. That's crazy. That's, that, that, you need a plan. What's your plan? I said, the only plan I have is God. He's got his plan. But you need a plan. That just doesn't make sense. It's great to have faith, but it's blind faith. Well, that's exactly what faith is. That's what faith is. We're stepping out on something we cannot see. That's what faith is. And, and, and it's there, and it's, and it's this tension that tears us at us. We've got this tension. Where does this tension come from? Why do we have this in this? And, and if you think about the postmodernist thinking, we live in a postmodern world, and, and society shapes the way that we think, and, and, it, and it tears us. Tears us and, and when we think of one of the fathers of the, this postmodernist thinking, it's, it's Friedrich Nietzsche. Friedrich Nietzsche, he was born about 1844, and he, he dies about 19. He dies as a mad, crazy man. Frederick Nietzsche. And, and this is one of his most famous quotes, and you have probably heard of this quote. This is what he, what he this, he was this philosopher, and he, this is what he came up with, and, he, and, and, and um, this is what our postmodernist thinking today, society, is based upon. And this is what he says. He said, God is dead. This is Frederick Nietzsche. This is this in the 1800s. He says this. He writes this. God is dead. God remains dead, and we have killed him. And what he's saying is that God doesn't exist. It's just a contrast. Truth is only what we make it. God doesn't exist. You know, it's really interesting. Since because of the rise of postmodernness, mental health that we have today, it started when, when all of a sudden there's no God. Because if there's no God, it's all on me. There's no high power that I go to. And this is where this beginning of mental health issues coming through. God is dead. This faith, how do you know... You've got faith? Uh, uh, that's, not, that's not knowledge. That's, how do you know it's true? Right? You, you, you've got people in your, in your workplaces, in your places of education, they challenge you. You say you've got faith, but where's the proof? Where's the evidence? Where's the, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And, and so here we have it. And so Nietzsche, he, he says, God is there. We're just creative. It's just a con- he's a construct of our imagination. And so then he goes on and says, and then he goes and says, we must become the 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 Ubermensch, the Ubermensch, or the, the overman, also known as the superman. This is this is this is thing, because we've got to we've got to shake off the shackles of this dead religion. Right? And we've got to take control. We've got to take control. You've got to become this Ubermensch, this superman. That that you know what? I I define my destiny. 
and I'm going to get there no matter what. And whoever, if I need to step on someone, I'm going to step on someone. If there's someone around me suffering, it's their fault. Because they never, they never picked themselves up, and so they deserve to stay there. This is their thinking. And what's really interesting is because this is what the Nazi party is based their teaching upon. The early days, this is where it came from, and this, that we can take. We define, we redefine, and all these things. And, 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 and uh, we will gain power. We will, we will gain control. You decide. You're the, you're the ubermensch. You're the superman. You decide, and no one else, and certainly not God, is going to decide for you. God is dead, and God remains dead, and we have killed him. This is postmodern. Uh, this, is the, this is the world we live in today. Postmodernists, this is, this, is, this is the thinking. And it seeps into, this is how we're synchronized, right? I trust in God. Because Nietzsche, he hated Christianity. Because Christianity is the opposite. The opposite is giving over of power. Giving over of control. He, he said, oh, the, you Christians have the slave mentality. You guys are weak. You give it up. Right? That's the opposite. And he didn't like that at all. Because faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things that we cannot see. See, you need to understand something. You can have faith in the God of the universe. And you can know it as knowledge. You can know it as fact that you do not need to have doubt in the Word of God. That you do not need to have doubt at all. In fact, when we look at this concept of knowledge, it's called the, the uh, I'm going to try to get this word around. It's called, it's called the, the epistemology of knowledge. The epistemology of knowledge, I've got to look at it before I say it. And this is, what the, this is the definition of what that is. It's the investigation of, of what, what distinguishes and justified belief from opinion. It's the investigation of what distinguishes justified belief from opinion. So what, so what knowledge is, it's not an opinion, but it's a justified belief. This is what, and, the, and these, I'm going to just go really quickly. Because we, we, we're, we're wrapping this up. There's three types of knowledge. The first one is knowledge of, 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 knowledge of know-how and skill. Like, here you go, um, this is my skill that I, I've got to um, be a mechanic. Of, that's, that's the first knowledge, knowledge of know-how and skill. The second one is this. Knowledge is propositional truth. Propositional truth. And it's, and it's, based, and it's based on adequate grounds, right? It's, it's, so, for instance, like, what I mean by that is that we know that that, that Captain Cook exists. We know that he exists because there's writings about him, there's things written about him. It's in our history. We know that he exists, even though it's been far removed. So this is what we know about Jesus. We know Jesus exists. When we reply this to this, we know Jesus exists. Why? Because it's been written about him. There have been books written about him, not just books by Christians. There's been books by, even by, by non-Christians who who written that he rose again. And there's been 2,000 years of testimonies. There's been eyewitnesses. So Jesus exists. He's alive. This is what we know, applying this knowledge to that. The third one is, the final one is this, the knowledge of acquaintance or direct experience. Like, I know this table exists because I see it. And I can lean on it. And I've got experience on it. And in and, and Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says this, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, the words of our testimony. Every single one of you who, who have a faith in Jesus, you know that uh, when you received Jesus, when you became born again, something changed inside of you. And when I can get every single, whole bunch of you get up and share your testimony, and there's something, and it's very similar, how God just took hold of you. You experienced this. Something happened. 
I, I, and I praise God and I, I experience him. I know that God exists. I know that. I've seen that in my own family. We had a son. He's over there playing. He's on the drums right now. And I, I love sharing this because it's a testament that needs to be spoken that he had this condition. The doctors only gave him three to four months to live. This is about seven years ago, six years ago. His daughter was just born. She just celebrated her birthday yesterday. But we prayed. And this embolism grew to his heart and it stopped. It's still there. He lives with it. But according to the doctors, what they saw is that you're going to be dead in three to four months. But faith, but faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. That God is real. The evidence, this is what we experience, and I experience this knowledge. So this knowledge I have, it's experienced knowledge. When, when, I was, uh, when I was almost paralyzed, I was hit by a refrigerator, wearing a helmet in this game called American Football. I was 39 years old, and I thought, I'll give it one more go. You know, when you hit the midlife crisis, I couldn't afford a motorcycle, so I, I, started, I thought, oh, you know, I used to play American football in my 20s. Anyway, my first season was, was blind. I ended up being starting, anyway, uh, defensive end. But he, anyway, my, so my second year, man, I was full of confidence. Now I'm in my 40s. No, man, I'm full of confidence. Man, I, I, I smashed last season, right? And then I got hit by a refrigerator, and seriously, what happened? Cut along so short. My disc ruptured, and all the, the fluid came out. And, it's, and so you know how your, your, your nerves just float there? Now, anything touches it is painful. Well, it was severely compressed. The worst pain I felt in my entire life, I thought I was going to die. And, and I lay on the floor. It was Christmas boxes. My family left me so they can go to help with Christmas boxes. I lay on the floor in pain. And uh, I was there for seven hours. That's how long they left me there. Um, but, but I really praise God for their grace because they left me an ice cream bowl full of water. <laughs> um, so I was really blessed. Uh, so Pastor John Booth. Pastor John Booth was a senior pastor of Hamilton Elam back in 1989. He goes to Christmas boxes. Who's I had a sore back? Rocks open the sliding door. Goes, hey, mate. I'm lying on the floor, man. I'm dead. I'm like, seriously. He goes, oh, I heard you had a sore back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me pray for you. And he stands at the side door and goes, he goes uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, just take away this pain and just, and, um, and just sit and free in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, mate, see you later. And he leaves. <laughs> Seriously. There was no like, Holy Spirit, come down. Fire, fire. <sighs> you know, it was just gone. I was like, man, you know, you've been a senior pastor. I expect more of this prayer than just like, okay, see you later, mate. He leaves. As he leaves, I'm there and I go, and I realize something. I've got no pain. I stand up, I sit down, and I go to the toilet. I was busting. It was been seven hours lying on that floor. I was thinking all these bad things about bedpans, you name it. I went there just in case it comes back. But to cut a long story short, I go get, a, I get, get the scan. What's that scan called? MIR? MRI? Oh, you know, one of those. Get a scan done after the prayer. Now, I'm about to give a wedding and get a phone call by the surgeon. This is what the surgeon says. Okay, so she says, oh, because I'm so glad I got you. We just got your scans. We just got your scans. And um, we're prepping the, su the, the surgery right now. How quickly can you get it? And I was like, oh, I'm just in Auckland at the moment. I'm about to take a wedding. And they're going, a wedding? Because how's your, where's your pain levels? He goes, oh, I haven't got any pain. Because here's the thing. Although my pain levels went, I still had this condition that I shouldn't be walking. 
Did I still, this is what I do. I go for a five, five, my daughter has something for school, so they've got to walk with uh, five Ks. So I walk with a five Ks. We go surfing, I, get, I walk up the hucks, do all these things, and I'm taking a wedding. I'm telling the surgeon this story. The surgeon going, this is what the surgeon says to me, word for word. He says to me, I'm not going to treat you of what I see. Because what I see tells me that you should not be walking right now. What I see, what I see is that you should be in pain right now. But what I'm hearing is something totally different. Because what's faith? Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. The, the enemy of, of faith is sight. Is that we're trusting in God. I had no idea, even though I had no pain, I didn't realize I was still in that condition. And when he told me that, I was thinking, well, maybe I should get the surgery. Because I was thinking, really? He goes, he said, look, if you, if in the next couple of hours or, or six months or, or a couple of weeks, if you take a step, you fall flat on your face, that means that you're paralyzed. And um, you've only got 24 hours to get that fixed. But it sounds like you're okay. And I was like, okay, thank you so much. I see the surgeon nine months later. He says to me, you are a walking miracle. Your, your back is totally healed. It is totally healed. You're a walking miracle. Right? And so what I do is nine months later, I have one final season in American football. My wife thought I was crazy. I said, if God could do it, he can do it again. Anyway, I, 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 I retired. I retired now because I, I, I grew up and, and got older. So what, so I'm closing, I'm landing this plane. What does this mean for us? It means that God is alive. God is not dead. You can know this for sure. This is knowledge. This is not something we feel like is happening right now. It is He's real. And every single one of you in this room have testimonies of how God came through in your life. And if He did it before, He'll do it again. But we get stuck, we get synchronized with society. Society, you've got, to have, you've got to have the control. We should plan A, B, C, D. Trusting that there is only one plan A, and that's God. And I'm scared like anything else. And I'm uncomfortable at the moment, which is a good place to be. Because if you're, not com- if you're comfortable, then you do not need the comforter. And the comforter is the Holy Spirit. And right now, oh, Holy Spirit, I need you right now. So what does this mean for us? It means that God is alive. You know, you know what it also means? It means that if you've lost someone who's gone to heaven and they're in Jesus, you will see them again. You will see them again. I'm not just telling you to make you feel good. It is fact. You will see your loved ones again. It is fact. It is true. People who do not have faith, they do not have this confidence. You have this confidence. You will see them again. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. We've got to get out of the synchronized society thinking and that we, we have to be this, 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 this overman to have control, have power. But did you know that's not original? You know where that comes from? Genesis 3, when humanity rejects, rejects God and says, I'm going to define good and evil in my own eyes. This is not, Nietzsche is not new. This is what was right from the beginning. It's our condition that we've fallen. But God, he puts it the other way around. It's not about taking power, taking control. He turns it the right way up because Jesus gave up power. He gave up power. You know why he gave up power? He gave it up for you. He gave up control and he laid down his life so that you can be free. And then he says, go and do the same. Lay down your life for someone else. 
give up their power, give up their control. But oh God, I need, I need to be the, 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 the ubermensch. I need to be this overman, this superman to have control. God, 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 no, no, no. Trust. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And God is alive. So church, as we journey on the scariest journey of my entire life, It's not easy to, to carry this. But if maybe if you're, if you're new to church, or if you want to be part of, of something that we're doing, something different. When I say different, many, many, so many churches have been planted the same way. This is not new. God's not surprised. God's saying, how much do you trust me? What I say to you is this. Don't put any trust in me. Put it all in God. He's the author and perfecter of your story. Don't look to any person on a platform. Look to God. And be praying for us. This is what we do know for, for certain. Next Sunday, we're going to be having service online. Online. Because we don't have a building. <laughs> I was thinking about putting up a tent, having a tent meeting. Come to my house. Everyone come to my house. Neighbors won't mind. If you're ready to be uncomfortable and allow the comforter to come, then welcome to our family. If you're ready to, uh, to go on an adventure with God, welcome to our family. I totally understand if you like, I just need no A, B, to C. I know because I'm, seriously, my head is yelling that in my head because I'm synchronized to society. I, I know exactly. And that's okay to feel like that. Please, please don't feel bad about it. That's okay, because I feel that. I do. It's the whole letting go and letting God thing. I don't know how you did it, Pastor Bob. But I'm just walking in your, I'm just building on top of what you built. And our whole team is journeying it together. And you know what? After we've gone, someone else will build on top. And this is the way God works. So let us stand. And the, the message is called, in the waiting. I didn't even mention waiting once just in the title because I've waited too long. But I'm trusting in God.